Hello and welcome to Sea Change, a three-part series about societal change in the digital age and how to make a bigger, faster and more inclusive impact in the world we live in. We're your hosts. I'm Samyukta Varma. And I'm Radhika Vishwanathan. If you've been following along and heard our last two episodes, you're familiar with the idea of societal platform thinking and the systemic approaches we need to solve large-scale problems. Some emerging groups have begun thinking this way, changing the way they approach impact and scale, and most importantly, the ways in which we work together. But you're also probably ready to hear the answers to some of the tougher questions. Like how do we ensure that collaboration happens in an equitable way, in a mutually beneficial way that respects diversity? And what does this mean for the governments who are often seen as being slow to change? Change requires specific types of investment and time. Where will all this come from? So societal platform is an idea, um, is obsessed with three things. Uh, we call it speed, scale and sustainability. So if you go into the design of societal platform or the way we think about this, we'll constantly talk about restoring agency. We'll talk about enabling choice. We'll talk about uh, distributing the ability to solve. We'll talk about problems should be addressed as micro problems and not mega problems. That we should work with Samad Bazaar Sarkar. That was Sanjay Purohit, the chief curator of Societal Platform, explaining how systemic change goes straight to the heart of the problem. For instance, if we're talking about the eradication of poverty, a systemic approach would take on addressing the unequal distribution of resources or the deep-rooted forms of discrimination against groups, as these are fundamental issues that make poverty persist. It's also about getting everyone to address these issues at the core. But social change is inherently political, and it is difficult and it can be messy. And by this we don't mean partisan politics, it's about power, and there are inequities in the way in which power is distributed that need to be addressed to bring systemic change. As Isabel Guerrero, the founder of Imago, puts it, you need to uh, think of systemic change to smooth the transition from one system to another. Um, if, if we just wait for systemic change, the cost in terms of unemployment, in terms of um, uh, even, even uh, violence, you know, because how much can the system take changes before it lashes back? Uh, and I believe that technological platforms. I believe that systemic change, talking about it, but doing something real about it is going to smooth that transition in a way that is massively important for the world. Non-profit, non-governmental and social organizations are often at the front line of social change, but their widespread use of technology is still growing. This could be a consequence of many different factors, a lack of resources or investments, a capacity issue, a push from donors, or even a mindset that sees new technology as yet another mandatory training workshop. Ingrid Srinath is a director at the Center for Social Impact and Philanthropy at the Ashoka University in India, and she has observed that for many NGOs working on social issues, technology has almost been incidental to their solutions. But even then, in some instances, it has profound effects. 
She gave us the example of how mobile phones had greatly helped healthcare workers reach out to expecting or new mothers to give them advice, help them with vaccinations, and some more. But to me, the most interesting story that came out of that was a woman who said to the the researcher who was studying this thing, said, you know, I always knew I needed to do this stuff, but when I said I had to go to the clinic. My husband and my in-laws were like, "Yeah, sure, we'll do that one of these days." But now, when it comes as a text message, they take it as an instruction. So the the power of technology, in a sense, to to cut through patriarchy and feudalism and actually get people to accompany this woman to the clinic or to let her go to the clinic, even, uh, is not, I think, what the technology was necessarily designed to do. But it has had that wonderful effect. Societal platform thinking is a way to amplify collaboration by leveraging technology for all. Uh, you're really talking about engaging uh, different types of individuals in different ways, and there are various actors in the system. And so, if you really want to engage in systemic transformation, system change, you have uh, no choice but to co-create, right? So then, that begs the question: you know, what is co-creation? There aren't very many people who think deeply about the specific idea of co-creation, but we had an opportunity to speak to one of them. You just heard Professor Venkat Ramswamy, the Hallman Fellow of Electronic Business and Professor of Marketing at the Ross School of Business at the University of Michigan, and he's written many a book about it, including one with a renowned C.K. Prelad. Creating together is how most people think about co-creation, but to me, that's not very helpful. It is about creation, first of all, uh, but enacting creation through interactions. So that's the way I, I at least think about it. Because uh, when you start thinking about creation through interactions, that uh, leads us to ask the question: you know, what interactions, where, when, you know, why, how, etc. We need to think of it in a in, in a much more socio-technical way, and that's typically not the way in which uh, people think about it. Uh, they think about it in terms of bringing you know different actors together and collaborating and creating. But if you start to think about it more as interactional creation, then what happens is that uh, you start thinking in terms of the environments in which those interactions happen. Co-creation may not seem like a complicated thing, but it doesn't just refer to the thing that happens when Samyukta and I bring our Lego blocks over to each other's houses to build time-traveling machines together. Co-creation is about bringing multiple people together and making it possible for them all to build for the same purpose—a purpose that they all agree they would benefit from. The Lego company, in fact, did just that. Lego created an ideas website that has been hailed as an incredible example of co-creation. Any Lego lover can go on it and share their designs, which are then voted on by the public. And the highest voted designs are reviewed by senior Lego designers and then produced. And creators receive a percentage of the net sales of the product. Venkat is deeply interested in how technology can make co-creation more effective. Thinking more about uh, interactions to me helps um, uh, connect uh, the capabilities uh, to outcomes. Right, so th- there's a lot of new capabilities in the system uh, in terms of facilitating different types of interactions, and um, uh, in every interaction gives rise to some kind of experience and outcome. So the question really is. How do you make those interactions more effective so that the experiences that people have uh, are very meaningful? Uh, the outcomes generate value uh, to them, and so it really boils down to uh, designing and configuring 
the environments which are actually facilitated by by platforms, which is uh, you can think of it as uh, a collection of different kinds of environments that people engage with. In the real world, where organizations are trying hard to solve problems in education or skills or healthcare, innovation is common. Complex challenges create environments where people have to constantly bring imagination and resourcefulness. Ingrid cautions that platforms can only be truly successful when individuals and groups are genuinely allowed to grow beyond their roles and become co-creators. And that can become a bit of a buzzword and trite, but if you actually, if you actually stay true to that, you probably can achieve the sort of thing we're talking about. With our devices, we can interact with far more people than before, in larger groups, and the groups we belong to can communicate with other groups. Digital platforms that allow and enable these interactions to happen allow the communities and individuals on it to work towards common, mutually beneficial goals with more ease. And even governments now see the potential of technology to increase and improve interactions, especially between disparate departments. But this wasn't always the case. Viraj Tyagi is the CEO of eGovernments Foundation, an organization whose mission is to transform governance in 2,000 urban centers by 2020. One of the things they do is provide digital services to help citizens engage better with their municipal services and to create channels for better citizen-state interactions. Viraj was inspired to do what he does today by one of his earliest interactions with the government. You know, I'm from a city called Dehradun in, in North India. And, uh, you know, uh, I remember every year uh, paying the property tax bill for, uh, for, my, for my house. Uh, even when I was a teenager, my, it used to be a, a month-long project, you know. Uh, you will go to the office, he'll, he'll tell you, uh, bring this uh, documents, fill this form. You go back and say, oh, you haven't given me this form. And you do that and you come back and say, you forgot to sign here. So it was just extremely difficult and full of friction. I, I remember once it took us full four days traveling three kilometers or four kilometers up and down. And, and, and it just kind of, uh, you know, uh, left a pretty, uh, pretty strong kind of impression on me. Doesn't it sound familiar? But things are changing. Increasingly, the government is recognizing the value of technology to improve transparency and accountability and bring it closer to the people. It's been a game changer, and more importantly, because it has the potential to identify and target the neediest, it's a way to make government programs work better for the people. Over the last two years, we've definitely seen a much stronger engagement, both in the bureaucracy and in the political system, of trying to use technology to A, provide services in a seamless manner, B, create transparency and data so that, you know, Accountability can be not just uh, implemented, but also be seen. Like there are a lot of uh, politicians working to have dashboards, public dashboards, to actually make it very transparent to the public in terms of what is happening. It's still early days, but through collaboration and co-creation, another important thing gets established, and that is trust. In the 32 years that I have been in government, in the bureaucracy, I've seen a sea change in the way governments look at problems and I think it's derived or driven largely 
by the change that has happened in Indian society and Indian politics. But today it's extremely clear that nobody can win elections in a, in a, without improving the quality of public services. That's Santosh Matthew, a seasoned government official from India, now working with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And he attributes these shifts to larger forces. India is young, vibrant, more developed than it was and going through a transition. Santosh spoke with us at length on his long experience in government and about the growing pressure on the bureaucracy to deliver services better. And the fact that many parts of the government have begun to accept that they can do more by collaborating and partnering with societal organizations. Now, where this has been effective and where this has been sort of channelized in a positive way, you will find in those states and, and ministries led by that kind of a leadership, you'll find that the openness to embrace new and more effective ways that high quality philanthropy has to offer or working in more sort of, I mean, I would use the word of co-producing public services. And not just of I am the government, me sarkar who. It's not about that. It's about let's work together to produce the quality service. Philanthropist Rohini Nilekhanif concurs. Governments have very clear mandates and structures within which they operate. And if society or those representing the market want to build solutions and collaborate with the government, they need to be conscious of these. You can't go to government and say, let's create this open platform where anybody from anywhere can do anything they want and we'll have rainbows exploding at the end. So they have a very clear mandate within a very clear structure in which they can operate. And so it's very important to design keeping the way government functions in mind. Uh, this is not supposed to create revolution inside government. It is supposed to enable government to fulfill its mandate. The technology must back that. It should not, it's not, we are not. So we should really make sure that it enables government to do what it is supposed to do. We need to remember that while trying to come up with new ways of doing things, especially system-changing approaches, there is always a chance of failure. In these conditions, what is the role that philanthropy can play? There is the failure which comes out of a creative effort to deliver better. I mean, these are much of the decisions in government are actually taken under situations of uncertainty. A 30 to 40 percent failure rate in that is inevitable. But in these accountability frameworks that the middle income countries experience in its early days, it becomes quite intolerable. They're unable to differentiate between a failure, which is the consequence of a effort to improve what we do and a failure that comes because it is driven by corruptions or malfeasance. And this is where philanthropists can play a big role. They can bring the long-term endurance needed to see these efforts through. You touched upon the fact about risk capital, which is, it's people think about it as money. I think actually it's less about the, the dollar value because uh, or the rupee value because that's, that's a drop in the bucket. That's Ankur Vora, Head of Strategy and Innovation at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. The thing that's valuable about this capital is that it's it's risk capital. It's it can take bets that the traditional capital can't take because these people are willing to fail uh, in the pursuit of something great. So high risk, high return bets are ones that they should take. The other part of the capital coming in is around norm shifting. 
In the US, total giving by the public is around 2% of their GDP, and it's still rising. This has been taken as a signal that people and society want to donate to support their values. They give to organizations and causes that are close to the beliefs that they hold dear. And this is what Ankur means by norm shifting. And it's been observed that much of this money coming is from new money. So the few things that I think philanthropists are good at and should be doing a lot more of is there is something about not accepting status quo and cre- and shaking up the system and pushing for a paradigm shift and thinking of a def- completely different equilibrium. And this is something that most of these philanthropists have been successful in their private ventures and they've brought their same level of energy and impatience and optimism uh, and paradigm shift to this world. And that's kind of brilliant. And they should do that. Many new perspectives are being attributed to philanthropic giving. There are very few uh, people who can uh, convene four different ideologies together. And one needs to do that. And that's the role that a philanthropist can and should play, which is pull in different ideas, different thoughts, different talents, and find a way for these people to work together. And that's why I believe at least over the next 25 years, we need society to actually come together along with philanthropy to be able to do the things for government, along with government, co-produced, so that the kind of risks that people in government are unwilling to take Society directly takes it up through philanthropy or other ways of actually raising resources. So I spent a year interviewing people around the world around the potential of philanthropy. And that was how I I came up with the idea for co-impact was through these conversations. And one of the things that I heard over and over again from people around the world, from mostly NGO leaders, was this question that any day of any week, you can go to a discussion that is about systems change. That's Olivia Leland. She was the founding director of The Giving Pledge, an effort to help address society's most pressing problems by getting the world's wealthiest philanthropists to make commitments. She now heads Co-Impact, a global collaborative for systems change. As someone at the forefront of the evolution of philanthropic funding, we asked her to tell us about some of these new directions. Philanthropy isn't quite there yet. Of course, there are the examples around the world of people who are focusing on systems change. But the reality is that the vast majority of philanthropy is focused on direct scaling, um, on shorter term, smaller scale funding. um, And there is a huge potential to uh, have philanthropy actually take this lens of how do you support the leaders across various systems that are actually really working on what it takes to drive this kind of change. This has been a long-standing question. Philanthropic support to social change has often come in specific modes, and it's been considered to be safe in some ways. Here's Ingrid. For a lot of philanthropists, development agencies, government agencies even, the preference is to channel money into direct service delivery. So if you look at philanthropic resources in India, the vast bulk of them are going into running schools, feeding children, 
immunizing people, delivering healthcare, uh, the absolute sort of service delivery kind of work. Um, much less goes into asking why those people need those services delivered to them and what can be done to empower those people to acquire those services themselves as is their right. And there are reasons for this. It's much harder to measure the impact of work that is about change and transformation when you're tracking things like behavior or values or even empowerment. And it often comes with costs. There are power structures that may have to be displaced, like Ingrid's story about women using mobile phones in patriarchal settings. It's just a messier business systemic change than service delivery. But we still need to level the playing field and democratize access. And this means finding ways to better co-create with users. Believing that people know what's best for them, believing that people can solve their own problems. And this is a, you have to have this, this belief almost viscerally because it can't be, you can't fake it. Um, but if you do that and then then let them co-design with you. So almost not even code, let them lead on design where you're really facilitating, enabling, catalyzing those wonderful words rather than doing for or speaking on behalf of. So looking at amplifying their capacities rather than substituting them with your capacities, I think is the key. Another charge leveled at philanthropic funding is that it often wants to see change happen quickly. There are standard timeframes for impact, something that many NGOs bemoan. But real change takes time, and philanthropists have started to acknowledge that. It means being with it for the longer term, because it, it, you know, it doesn't happen in the one and three year grant terms. It takes much longer than that. It means making um, longer, you know, larger investments as well. Um, and it means providing that kind of additional support that goes beyond the funding because so much of being involved in systems change is the kinds of partnerships that you need. The kind of philanthropy needed to drive systemic change, the kind that fosters societal platform thinking, requires a different sensibility. It's the kind that recognizes the need for systems leadership. And this means being able and ready to give up a little control and authorship. I recently came from some gatherings of philanthropists around the world. And I think it's becoming clear to many, many people that uh, business as usual in philanthropy is not going to achieve uh, the kind of ambitious goals that have been expressed. And that we genuinely need to find new forms of collaborating. We genuinely need to understand that you have to let go a little bit of ego, control, name and shining letters, uh, stuff if you want to achieve impact. And so philanthropies were recognizing what, you know, what being at the table with others and, and, and helping to foster those kinds of conversations, being collaborative itself, but also uh, really kind of bringing others um, into the conversation is enormously important, I think. And uh, I think they're ready for something like this. And there was, I think they themselves are trying collaborative models now, different forms, right? And uh, you know about co-impact, you know about, and there are many other things, Rockefeller, Ford, they're all trying to come in with new collaborative models. And so I think the time is right to try this out very seriously because there is money backing it and there is intent backing it. I'm fascinated by the idea of something like a societal platform where 
you are creating a virtual community that allows people um, across different vantage points to to coalesce and to learn from each other and it's done in a manner where you can contribute and you can influence but um, everybody can go and do their own things at the end of the day societal platform thinking is ultimately about finding a way to reflect the diversity of the world we live in and to construct more inclusive ways to solve the problems we all suffer it's a mind bending idea and it needs stewardship Through the course of the show we met with a lot of people working on different things and in different parts of the world who all believe in the idea but the one thing that they all talked about was the need for leadership. Systems leaders need a certain set of distinct attributes to be able to bring ideologically different communities, corporations and even governments together. Here's Sanjay. The most important things that you first work on here is how do you align the objectives, incentives and policies? to do something like this that takes a lot of work to go around meet people share your vision and that's why the role of a system leader is a very important role in building a societal platform somebody who can actually bring people together into generative conversations have the discussion be able to explain be able to lay out that possibility and create that sense of it can be done and this is at the heart of societal platform thinking working to bring people together around a common goal and infusing the system with a sense of co-creation, collaboration and hope. Sea Change was created to introduce the idea of societal platforms and the community of people and organizations around the world who are committed to its evolution. But the group also has a message. Here are Nandan and Rohini Nilekani inviting people to join them. to come explore investigate challenge and think together i think the the message we have is that the how matters that uh society has large complex diverse unmet needs uh which have which have to be solved at population scale that is solved in a sustainable way they have to be done with alacrity because time is of the essence and the world is grappling with different ways to to do this and we believe that societal platform thinking is one way to do it we certainly not saying this is the only way to do it nor are we saying it applies to all situations but there are a class of challenges that we have where a societal platform approach can actually make a meaningful difference uh, you know in the way you do things and would like people to be aware of this approach so that in the course of their work or in the course of their activities they see that there's a way of thinking about this which may apply to something they're doing so i would say to people who have taken on social sector challenges especially um if you have an organization that has been quite successful uh in the past but you're struggling with new things because you want to scale or you want to reach new geographies or you you have new ambitions and, and you may be struggling with some scarce resources like people or uh skills then i would say come find out what is on offer to help you do that a little quicker um 
guess to creative people uh, in across market state and society or leaders uh, we would say come and see if there's something in this design that will inspire you to stretch your wings further because you have ideas you have the ability to create with other people come and see if there's something uh, there for you to discover and uh, lastly i'll say to all those who are interested in this exercise even at an intellectual level well we need help come and help us to think this through better so that this can become more robust if there are people if there are philanthropists who are very serious about making big change about something they care deeply about they have money they may not have time personally uh, but they have people they have money and to them we are saying please come and see if there's some way we can help you to create your own system you can you can we enthuse you to become a system builder in the sector you are passionate about so that you can make a global offering to people who are all working in that sector along with you and one of the things i want to say to the technology people out there uh since i am not one i know how valuable you all are and if there are people with technology skills for getting interested in some of the things you are hearing in this podcast we need help from people who are willing to give their time and their brains so we need your bra- minds but we also need your hearts and your skills so the call to action is please come and help us a bit thank you thank you for listening to see change to get in touch with societal platform write to info@societalplatform.org See Change is a co-production of Societal Platform and Vaka. It is produced by Radhika Vishwanathan and Samyukta Varma. Script and editing by Radhika Vishwanathan and Samyukta Varma. Sound production and original music by Santosh Nataraja and digital design by Bhushan Raj. Special thanks to Nandan and Rohini Nilekani, Pramod Varma, Shankar Marowada, Sanjay Purohit, Olivia Leland, Ingrid Srinath, Robert Palacios, Ankur Vora, Isabel Guerrero, Oliver Bogler, Lalitesh Katragada, Viraj Tyagi, Santosh Matthew, Venkat Ramaswamy, RK Kaluri, Navin Varshan, the fantastic teachers and students in Chennai, Sahana Jos and Gautam John. Where Radhika Vishnathan and Samyukta Varma. Follow the Vaka in the In the Field India team at inthefieldindia.org or on Facebook and Instagram where at In the Field India. 